Now I'll be in Titus chapter 1 this week. And don't let the title scare you. Uh, I'm not trying to call out anybody. I want to say that. But uh, if the shoe fits, uh, you know, you know how it is. You wear it. But again, we need to look at the scripture. And as I alluded to Wednesday night, the word of God is like a, it's like a, oh, it's a scanner. It's a scanning tool, and uh, everybody's familiar with that check engine light on the vehicle. And you got to take it in. And there was a time when you could diagnose that stuff, uh, you know, for yourself if you had a good Chilton's manual. And with the OBD one, you could still do that. You put a paper clip in uh, a couple of those little deals there, and it flash out that code. You go read the code. I remember doing that. Enjoyed that. And then all of a sudden, the OBD two come out around 1996, and well, it got a little more sophisticated. But the point is, uh, there's a scanning tool. The Word of God is a discerner, and so it, it can scan you, it can discern you, it can, it can look for trouble codes that's in your life. And last week we preached on being careful to maintain good works, and we took that text from Titus chapter 3, about verse, uh, verse 8 there, where he says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. So he's, he's commanding Pastor Titus here on the island of Crete, if you're going to hobby horse something, you hobby horse this, that they, he says constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These are good and profitable unto men. You know, sometimes people say, well, that preacher just hobby horses uh, certain things. And the Bible is commanding the pastor, uh, this is one of the things you would hobby horse, is making sure your people, uh, that they understand they need to be careful to maintain good works. And so uh, uh, even I myself had to get some correcting uh, last week as I studied the Word of God. Never quite seen it that way before. I'm always on other issues and really have never hobby horsed or said a whole lot about good works or working in the church and volunteers and so on and so forth. But the Bible says, no, you make sure you warn them and tell them that this body, this local assembly, needs to be careful to maintain good works. But now let's get back into chapter 1. Now, you know me, I'm going to preach things forwards and backwards, and we've preached backwards. We started in chapter 3, and now we're in chapter 1. And next week, Lord willing, I'll be in chapter 2 on preaching a, a message that I will talk about or preach about on uh, being a pattern of good works on what are the elders to be doing with the youngers. Success through succession uh, could be a good title for that. Uh, and so that's applicable. But this morning, we need to uh, address this issue that uh, this people living on the island of Crete had in the early church. So let's begin reading in verse 1 in chapter 1. And he says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began but hath in due times manifested his word 
uh, I, I need you to read that with me. He manifests his word through preaching. Preaching. Do you see that? You know, I'd never quite seen it like that as I begin to study this passage, by the way. You're mad at me already. I know it. I know it. No. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kayla's mom. I, I forgot to, uh, to uh, acknowledge her also. I'm sorry about that. It's improper in me. I've seen Brother Fernando. I've seen you too, but I didn't want you to be thinking, oh yeah, I know it. And I, I'm not saying she was thinking that now. I've embarrassed she'll never come back. I'm sorry. You, you'll get used to me. You'll get used to me. But I, I am happy to see you. Uh, I, I just, I, I just, I, I like, I like seeing people come into the house of the Lord. But then I want them to be uh, uh, comfortable and welcomed. And then uh, I, I want them to be acknowledged that, hey, we're glad you're here. We really are uh, glad you're here. And so, but we're on this preaching now. That that was. It started for me at about 2.30 this morning. My mind's working like that, just rolling like a freight train, and I can't get it slowed down. So that could happen a couple of times today. Rolling, I'll just squirrel. <laughs> but we're talking about preaching. Do you see that? When, when, when these things, when they happen in the Word of God, when you see them like that, he says he made manifest the Word. He's talking about the Word of God through preaching. Now, he didn't say he manifests God's word through singing or through praying. He said through preaching. You know what's in short supply today? Good old-fashioned preaching. Uh, and, and sometimes uh, people don't grow in grace. And the Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what does the Bible say there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? He says, God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. You see, God emphasizes preaching. And so I believe this is one of the things might have been lacking uh, before Titus got there. I wanted to point that out to you. Uh, and he says in verse 4 to Titus, mine own son after the common faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause, lift I thee in Crete. It looks and it implies that Titus wanted to leave Crete. He didn't want to stay there. And the Apostle Paul is saying, look, you need to stay in Crete. There's a work for you to do. But watch what he commands Pastor T Titus to do. Is that thou shouldest set in order. That's a bad word to most people today. Order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. We'll talk about that. Uh, when we get into the cure for lazy Christians. And he says, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly. There we go. We're going to see order. We're going to see leadership. Now all of a sudden we're seeing unruly. Unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, 
whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Christians are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. And I almost put that up there, don't be a slow belly Christian. But uh, uh, <laughs> I figured that word, lazy, would be better. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then he says, This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth unto the pure. All things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Now here's my text. This is where I begin to get the thought for the day. He says, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work, right there it is, reprobates. Now let us pray and we'll get into the message this morning on don't be a lazy Christian. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love your book. We've had a good time already, at least I know I have. My, my, my soul has been blessed to see the children sing and to participate in the service. And Lord, uh, the smiles on the people's faces. And they've come looking uh, for something from the Word of God to be fed, maybe to, to learn a little something. And Lord, help me uh, this morning. Uh, guide my, my mouth and let the Holy Spirit speak through me. Make manifest the Word of God through my preaching. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. By way of introduction and to try to help illustrate what I want to talk about this morning, uh, there uh, on this last verse about reprobate, uh, unto every good work reprobate, and that reprobate there is, it means an extreme dislike. An extreme dislike. Uh, they disapprove of having to work. They don't want to work. Uh, I, and so I began to do some researching, and I'll give you this. It's way of information that I uh, was able to find. He says, as of 2021, 20% or 21% of the American population was on welfare. Now, what I'm getting ready to say, I don't want you to take in the wrong context or take out of context. Welfare was a, a, a program set up, and I'll get to it here. It had a good reason, but it's being abused. And so I, I believe that that would help me uh, get a good illustration of what was going on in this church. So 21% of today's, as of 2021, the American population was on welfare. Now, out of that 21%, 13.3% of those people were receiving welfare benefits fraudulently. They were scamming the system. Meaning in 2022, $162 billion was paid out to welfare scammers. That's close to one-third of our population on welfare and half of the one-third scamming the system. I believe that'd be a good time to say, Houston, we got a problem. That's one, almost one-third of American citizens. Now, the welfare system, according to Wikipedia, 
states that welfare was started to help supplement families with dependent children financially coming out of the Great Depression. But more importantly, to help widowed mothers who had dependent children coming out of the Great Depression. Amen. Its design was to supplement an already working individual who was a tax-paying citizen. Wikipedia. I mean, just, just pull it up. It's, it's amazing the information we can learn. Now, if your pastor, upon a couple little clicks, is, is technologically illiterate as I am, can find it, I guarantee you, you all can find stuff like this. So all of us are familiar with this growing problem in America. People, now here's the point, people demanding to be paid for not working while continuing to make bad life choices. That's my point. I'm not against welfare or I'm not against helping people that are in need. Uh, and it was originally designed to help people in need. Uh, and sometimes people need that. You, uh, like coming out of the Depression, I was doing some reading. You, you had uh, women that had lost their husbands. And they had children to try to feed. And work wasn't real good. And so that was enacted to help supplement and feed those families. Good thing, good thing. But it's being abused. And I felt like that, that would be a great lead-in for what the problem we see here is. The Apostle Paul said these people here on the island of Crete had pretty much the same mindset. You see, he said they were always, instead of always, always means the whole journey. There's a difference in definition, those two words, and how they're spelt. So the whole journey, they were liars. If you're scamming welfare, you're a liar. You've not only lied to the system. Some, somebody of you are uncomfortable with that. Is that making you uncomfortable? Uh, <laughs> it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I said this to Jen this week. We're looking to buy a home. And uh, uh, we wanted to go through, uh, what is that, a USDA and it's, 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 again, I'm not, I'm not against government grants and subsidies. Well, let me tell you something. They've crawled in one side of me and through the other. And I mean, I tell you what, and I got a little agitated Thursday or Friday about that uh, because they wanted to keep a running tab on my checking accounts. And I got to explain every little thing. And if I use the credit card, they want to know what it's for. And I... I said, you know, I wonder if they are this thorough when somebody's trying to collect welfare. Because I got news for you. That's not good. <laughs> I've, I've answered more questions, looked at more things. They want to know more about me than I knew myself. And why is it to prevent fraud? I wonder if they have that same zeal when it comes to welfare. And I need to put this in here. Did you know that the majority of welfare scammers are 46-year-old men? They make up more than 50% of the 13% men. I have personally seen men that are right in that age group driving a late model Corvette 
Why I took notice is I like Corvettes. This particular gentleman was driving a late model yellow Corvette. I happened to get behind him by chance in the line. Now I'm telling my age because they had food stamps. He was, he was paying for stuff with, with subsidies, welfare. Oh, he's scamming the system somewhere. Scamming the system somewhere. He believed that he should be paid but not work and not contribute to the system. Now, I didn't think I'd hit a snag too much there, but it kind of got, it, it tightened up on me just a little bit. I, I, and again, I'm being careful, being careful. I'm not against it, but I am against the fraud. I am against the fraud. And he, I'm using it to say, now look, there are Christians, and by the way, before you think I'm going to hobby horse, all these people are lost. No, no, the Bible says, look with me here. Verse 13, this witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. He's talking to saved people. When I first began to study this, I thought, well, these people are lost. That's where I always go. If I hobby horse something, I'm, I'm real quick to point out, now nah, they're lost. They're lost. The day is long. You know, and they're like, whoa, how do you know this? It's just the easiest way to go. You just quickly get to the end of it. But he's saying, no, these evil beasts, and that's a predator. They're preying on other people and their good fortune. He says they're liars, they're evil beasts, and then he says they're slow bellies. Now, I almost didn't preach the message because when you look up the definition of the word slow belly, has anybody ever done that? Good, maybe I can lie to you and smooth it all over. It means a glutton. <laughs> I almost shut it down. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Lord. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? I was looking up definitions, you know, slow belly. Like, Surely. What do you mean? So this mental picture popped up in my mind. Uh, my mind. This is an island people. Uh, they're going to eat, drink, and be merry, and then they're going to do it again tomorrow. So all they're doing is I seen these men, pot-bellied men, laying around a fire, eating roasted pig <laughs> every day. They wouldn't work. They wouldn't do anything, and they just overindulged in eating. I'm like, oh, I can't preach this. Everybody be on me. <laughs> Not that I do that. But, you know, anytime you get on gluttony or overweight, or uh, it, it begins to rub me a little wrong. And I'm like, there's got to be a way around this. <laughs> I believe I found one. I don't believe he is necessarily saying they were food gluttons and they were fat and stupid and didn't have any friends. That's what the doctor tells me every year I go in for my checkup. Hey, it's the same as it was last year. You know? I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that, you know. Uh, uh, but the context, food doesn't show up in the context. You say, oh, now you're playing with the scriptures because you think he was on your trail. He might have been. And if the Holy Spirit puts that on your trail, that's fine. You run with it. But the context is they're gluttonous, they're slow bellies for lying, they're full of it, they're gluttonous for being unruly, they love unruliness, they're gluttonous uh, to be disapproving of working or doing anything to be a blessing to others, brothers, sisters in Christ. Now that is in the context. 
So you, you apply it how the Holy Spirit tells you to apply it. If you want to shovel it back and say, no, he's talking about food. He was a glutton. Okay, okay. But the context points to the fact that not only were they unruly, they were gluttonous when it come to being unruly. Not only were they liars, they were gluttonous. They're just pathological liars. And so then they were reprobate. They had a severe hatred for that word work. Now that does apply. And so this was a problem. And we see, well, what is a welfare Christian? Number one, it's a saved person. The Bible bears that out. These are saved people in this church. Two, they were unruly. Abominable, that means they were very hateful and detestable when you try to ask them to do something around the church. They were disobedient. They were refusing to obey. Not observant parents, you can pay attention. This is what disobedient means. Not observant to duty or rules prescribed by authority. Okay, here's the rule. I need you, when you see that trash can full, take it out. I don't want to have to keep telling you. You come by the next day, and the trash can's running over, trash is on the floor, and Junior's sitting there at the kitchen table looking at it while he's eating a bowl of cereal. Well, then you tell him. Well, take the trash out. And he huffs, he puffs, he gets around to it after he finishes his cereal. Uh, moms, that's disobedient. Because he's failed to observe what he's been told to do. And they deal with that. And so that's what that word disobedient means. And maybe I should have said dads too. Uh, dads, but generally moms are always there all the time. They're, they're having to put up with all this. But to help you, that's, that's one of the definitions of disobedience also. And it goes on in the church. He says they're vain talkers. They can talk a good game. Boy, they talk good. Hey, I'm a good worker. I'm really good. I'm awesome. Uh, just If you don't know, just ask me. I'll tell you a little more about my favorite subject, which is me. They're a vain talker. The Bible says, the Bible says they're, uh, a vain talker also means they're proud of petty things, of trifling attainments, elated with a high opinion of one's own accomplishment or with things more showy than valuable. They're conceited. And then they're a deceiver. They're an imposter. Liars. They're subverting. He says here that they're subverting whole houses. That means to corrupt with false teaching. So they like positions of authority so they can corrupt. They are looking to overthrow. And I found this quote, which I believe is applicable to our current state in America. The elevation of corrupt men to office will slowly but surely subvert a Republican government. It was in one of the definitions. I'm going to tell you, dictionaries are amazing things if you just take the time to read them. Absolutely. Subverting whole houses, that's what that means. Teaching wrong things, like as in God doesn't care how you worship. God does care how we worship. God has a personality. God has preference. 
there he does care about it, but these people are going to teach God doesn't care. God doesn't care how you live your life. Uh, that's the opposite is true. He says, he said, don't use your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness to serve your flesh. Your liberty, your freedom that you've been given in Christ is to serve action, work, one another. God doesn't care if you give. God does. God just wants you to live your best life now. That's what these types of people uh, teach and preach, even in their life by example. That's what they example. But that's what they'll come out in their teaching. And they do it all for the love of money. Easy, easy money. Now, there's something else I hobby horse and I'm going to get on it. And why I get on it from time to time is because I was raised in a Christian family, was raised uh, uh, in a pastor's home, uh, who spent time in evangelism. But I've met a lot of evangelists, seen a lot of preachers, heard a lot of pastors talk about the problem I'm getting ready to talk about. It's a growing problem today on this point of for the love of money, easy money, easy money, easy money. Have you noticed how there is less and less good working church members today? Have you noticed that? I have been told probably 50 times, I'd come to your church. I love, uh, I love your church. I love your preaching and teaching. I listen to it when I come home from my church but I'm going to a bigger church so I can hide. I've been told that no less than 50 times by 50 different people. They watch us every week when they come home from their church service. They enjoy it, enjoy the service. But they're going to another church because it's bigger and they can hide. It's real hard to hide in here, isn't it? I know if, if somebody's different, I can, I can see it immediately. Because we're a smaller group. And it's harder to hide. I mean, uh, you got four weeks in a month and we got a, a volunteer sheet on cleaning the church. It's, you know, you're kind of <laughs> looking around like, hey, I think it might be your turn. It's hard to hide. And it puts people on the spot. And like, I, I'm against that. I don't want to do nothing. I just want to. Oh, I know. You just want the grace. You want the benefits, but not the responsibility. Well, that's a problem, and that was a problem in this church. But let me, let, me, let me put it to this. Have you noticed there's less good, good families that have been called to be, what do we say, faithful to their local New Testament church. They're there, they're involved, and they're going to work. It doesn't mean they don't have skills to do other things, but they're like, Lord, the Lord has not called me to be a missionary. The Lord has not called me to be a singer in some singing group, you know. You get a couple people together, they, they can make some good harmony, and all of a sudden they want to buy a bus and hit the road. Still plenty of traveling singers out there and more groups doing that every day. And I'm not against all traveling singers. 
But I do know something about traveling singers. They're more carnal than most of you sitting in here this morning because they're not sitting in the home church. They're not under good preaching and teaching. They're anywhere and everywhere. They're putting out, putting out, putting out in song ministry and never sitting and submitting to the preaching of the Word of God to take back in so they can put back out. And then somewhere down the road, they either deny the faith or they get messed up in some sin. You say, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. One, they weren't called. They should have stayed in their home church and ministered there and then in the overflow went to try to minister around. But we have people that are traveling singers. I'll make a lot of people mad. I'm just telling you how the snow blows on this thing. I, I, let me, every one of you are a professional in the field that you're working in, whether it be fabrication, whether it be uh, police work, whether it be teaching, I'm a plaster by trade. I can, <laughs> I could spot a fake plaster a mile off, generally by the tools he comes dragging in to do a job. And you can spot the fake ones in your trade also. That's right. That's right. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that don't want to work in their local New Testament church, so they like, the soft wind starts blowing. Like, I think I'm being called to sing. I won't be around no more. Now, I'm not against singing. I love it. But there's no shortage of it, is there? And do you know that some of these, you say, well, preacher, why you never have one of them big groups in? Do you got $10,000 to pony up? Some of them won't even show up unless you pay them guaranteed $10,000. That's why I don't have them in. We ain't affording that. We ain't doing that. It's all about the filthy lucre. It got quiet. I got on a sacred cow, didn't I? I didn't mean to. I thought it would be pretty easy because I'm not talking about the people sitting in the pew this morning trying to work, trying to live life and be faithful to church. I'm telling you, there's people traveling around singing, thinking they're being a blessing, and some of them are. But it's for filthy lucre, and they won't even come to your church if it's smaller. Now let me get on the preaching side of it. There's still plenty of traveling preachers running around. There's a lot of times... If I call somebody or somebody calls me, you want to know what the first question is? They don't ask me if I'm a Bible believer. They don't really care about that. How many people are you running on a Sunday morning? You say, now why would they ask that? Oh, I'll tell you why. The more people you got, the bigger love offering you got. And they'll eliminate the smaller ones if there's a bigger one to sing in and call it, oh, this the Lord just let us hear. Oh, I'm getting real this morning. You say, what is that? That's a liar, an evil beast, and a slow belly. That's what that is. That's what that is. And you need to have a pastor that can spot that and call it out. You know, there's still plenty of traveling men with some ministry that they could do while they're serving in their local church. That's one of the questions I ask them. Where's your home church? If I got a singing group in, I want to know where their home church is. I'm calling their pastor. When they're not on the road, are they there in your services working in a ministry? If I get that dead silence like, I ain't seen so-and-so in a couple of years. 
Sometimes you need to check the back trail on some of this nonsense. They're scammers. Now I've made a lot of people mad, probably online. I'll get hate mail about this. And that's okay. It's the truth. It's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I've spent my life listening to stories. I've known of missionaries in my life that lived down on the border in Texas claiming that they were missionaries in Mexico collecting $4,000 a month on, in support. Their wife was a nurse working a professional job making top scale and they weren't doing a thing but on a weekend go over there pass out a couple tracks while they did some shopping and bought cheap boots and come back over. I've sat at their tables in their homes. I've seen it personally my, with my own eyes. It's not right. That's why when missionaries come through, I check the back trail. Who are you? Where are you going? And where have you been? There's a lot of this nonsense that these people could serve in their local New Testament church and then do the ministries that they tell you they're doing. I'm amazed. You say, what is it? It's an evil beast. It's a liar and it's a slow belly. So I'm just preaching to people trying to sit in the pew, trying to be faithful. Uh, but the Bible says you got to watch out for that crowd. So how did the Bible, how does he say, how do we deal with this? How did the Apostle Paul tell Timothy or Titus, I keep saying Timothy, because it almost sounds like I'm preaching out of 2 Timothy chapter 3 about the last generation. They're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Lovers of their own selves. The cure. Did you see there in verse 5? The cure is to set in order in the church. Let me say this. Churches need order and leadership. See, now that's bad words in today's society. Nobody wants order. They want chaos. And nobody wants leadership. We've been trained and programmed in our school systems to hate authority, despise authority. And then they've been enabled because when the teacher starts having a problem out of little Johnny, she calls mama or daddy and mama comes storming in there to read the teacher the right act. It's never Johnny's fault. Oh, we've, we've raised a big generation there, haven't we? Say, what is that? That's an evil beast, a liar, and a slow belly. Here's the cure. It says, here's the cure in your church. Set it in order. So God wants order and God wants leadership. Rules are good. This is to counter the unruly. Boy, I've gotten a lot of flack over the years. We don't need no rules around here. Hey, we need some rules and some standards around here. That's what keeps order. So I don't like that stuff. Well, there's 155 other Baptist churches. I'm sure you can pick one that'll meet your little fancy. And if not, you could start one. But I guarantee you, if you go to start one, you'll find out real quick that you're going to have to have some order, you're going to have to have some leadership, and you're going to have to have somebody's money to keep it going. He says, put in good leadership. Did you see that? ordain elders in every city so he needs good leadership now this church let me teach you a little something this morning 
if anything happens to me, if I die suddenly and I drop over dead, you don't try to find you a pastor on your own. And here's the scriptural backing for that. Timothy was another pastor, and he was going to ordain and help this, these churches find pastors. Here's what my, uh, my advice is to you. You get with Brother Terry Bunch. He's a pastor. He's a pastor 27 years. He pastors at Highland Baptist Church. You get with Brother John Ricketts. You get with Brother Barry Rackley. You get with Brother David Helton. These men are pastors, and they'll help you find a pastor if anything was to happen to me. Don't try to navigate that on your own, and here's why. I'll go back to my original point. Pastors know pastors. They might pull the wool over your eyes, but they won't pull the wool over their eyes. And they'll help you. I didn't say you can't vote on the and choose one, but they'll help you find good candidates if anything was to happen to me. Because the devil want to move in. Do you think these evil beast liars and slow bellies would have picked the right pastor for themselves? Absolutely not. Have you ever seen a child yet when you take them to the buffet bar, start with the salad bar first? That's a rare kid. No, you got about threaten their life to keep them out of the dessert bar. And then they try to make a deal with you, let them eat their dessert, get full, and then they'll go get a piece of chicken, and then they'll pick at it and play with it. And they say, oh, I'm just not hungry, I'm sick. Well, that's what he's saying. He says, you need to make sure you got good leadership. As the leadership goes, so goes the church. Pastors, no pastors. And then in verse 11, now I, I, want, I want to make this point here because I'm trying to teach as well as preach because I'm trying to help desensitize you to the current woke culture. The Apostle Paul, it's here in your Bible, he's a name caller. Do you see that? He says, these are gainsayers. They're a liar. They're an evil beast. They're a slow belly. He's a name caller, is he not? He's calling them names. Now look at this. What did he say there in verse 11? Whose mouths must be stopped. Do you see that? I already told you that these kind of people like leadership positions. And he says, you catch wind of that as a pastor, you stop that mouth if it ain't teaching right. You stop that mouth if it's not living right. You stop it, you set it down. And around here, I put people in and I can take people out. That's what one of the jobs of the pastor is. And let me, let me make this, this point. You need a pastor That'll call out this nonsense. There's more to pastoring than making everyone feel happy. But let me put it on this on you. And that pastor needs a church that'll back their pastor that'll call the nonsense out. That's a big problem in the church today. Everybody just wants to like, well, I don't believe in name calling. Well, that's not biblical. Christ was a name caller too. If you want to go down that route, what do he call the Pharisees? Vipers. <laughs> Whited sepulchers. Oh, he wasn't 
He wasn't giving them a comment. Since you're of your father, the devil, what was he calling them? Demons. He was a name caller. He was a name caller. Boy, people don't like that. They're like, oh, preacher. Our church will never grow if you do that. Well, it won't grow with the liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. No, they don't like that kind of preaching. And I don't believe there's nobody here this morning that's like that. That's why I said I'm not calling anybody out at all. We just got to be aware of these problems. And, and he's and admonishing us, don't be a lazy Christian. Now, I've seen people that were like this that worked good jobs, provided for their families. But when we come to working in the church, mm-mm, they were a slow belly. I'll get to that in a minute. We're on the cure right now. What's he saying? Well, verse 13. This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply. You see that? Man, what, what, what's, what, what, does that, what does that mean, rebuke them sharply? Well, number one, to chide. To contend with in words of anger, sharply. You know... Take your Bible to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. There are some people that believe that a pastor should never get angry. What's that verse 26 say? It's a commandment. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither, neither give place to the devil. You better believe I'm going to get angry if the devil's trying to get a place. And I'll call it out. You say, oh man, preacher. I've been accused, people say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't get stirred up about that. Uh, call somebody's a teenage kid down in the church. They get mad and leave the church. Yeah, I'm serious. And that was their accusation. You've disqualified yourself because you got angry. Yeah, I got angry. I didn't get that angry. I just asked him, hey, am I boring you? Turn your phone off. It was vibrating on the table. Get it off the table, man. Grandparents and parents sitting there just, oh, life's wonderful. Nobody else in church could hear what I could say. I finally had enough. Why? He says, be angry and sin not. Rebuke it sharply. He says, hey, contend with words of anger to chasten, to punish, to restrain. That's right. They need to go to work. Is this message making you uncomfortable? Surely it shouldn't be. Really, it shouldn't. It's quiet. Like, man, preacher, I've got that. Again, I started out by saying I'm not calling nobody out. We just, this is the book. This is part of it. What did he say? Remind them constantly to maintain good works. And then he says, now be on guard against this type of Christian. They're Christians. They're safe people. Sometimes they've been ruined because they've been discipled wrong by another evil beast and slow belly. You know, it's almost impossible to retrain. 
In closing, it tightened up on me. Ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself some questions this morning. I'm going to ask you some questions because that's the difference between teaching and preaching. Preaching's going to draw you to a conclusion. Teaching, I might give you a couple different viewpoints and you can make your own mind up. You're not going to be confronted or forced to make a decision, but preaching brings you to a decision. That's the difference and that's why people don't like it today. So I want you, don't answer out loud. This is between you and God. You need to let the Word of God diagnose your check engine light. Some of you got check engine lights on. Do I believe in working for the Lord in the local New Testament church? What work are you doing right now in this church? Let me give you some ministries that we have here. Teachers, we need another teaching crew right now. I have, I have teenagers that need somebody to work with them on a Wednesday night. Teachers, we need singers. We need cleaners. We have a sign-up sheet out there because we're changing some things around. I've been, I've been denying you all blessing by having you involved in doing some of the work around here. There's a cleaning crew. You can sign up and volunteer for that. Pick you a week. There's encouraging ministry, the Barnabas ministry. There's givers. Maybe God's blessed you financially. Well, the Bible says... I'm to remind you to make sure that you give. First Timothy chapter, was it five or six? It says, charge them, verse 17, that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in living the living God who giveth us richly all things uh, to enjoy that they do good, that they be rich in good works. Uh, he's on that good works thing again ready to distribute. So uh, one of the good works is giving. Willing to communicate, that's giving. Giving, giving. How about planners? Help plan our yearly schedule out. How about the fellowship ministry? That's where we have our fellowships. We need setup crews, cooking crews, cleanup crews. How about multimedia ministry? There's always a need there. I am technologically illiterate. It has now surpassed me. They can't even really come to me like, hey, what do we do? I don't know. I just guess. I start pushing buttons. It could be some of the problem. <laughs> Sunday school helpers. We need, we need Sunday school helpers. I like two adults in each Sunday school class. We need some helpers. I need nursery workers, groundskeepers, youth outreach workers, outreach ministry, widow's ministry, serving others, the youth ministry, special music ministry. So I'm asking, what work 
are you doing right now in this church if you come? So, well, I'm not a member. Aha. Uh -huh. Now we're finding out why. No commitment. Could part of the problem be that you're abominable and disobedient and under every good work reprobate? I, I didn't say that. The Bible did. I'm just preaching the book. And guess what? I don't know whether you know it or not, but the Holy Spirit just rolled in. Well, I didn't feel no warm, fuzzy feeling. That's because you've been watching the wrong kind of TV shows all week. The Holy Spirit rolled in about 15 minutes ago when I hit the first snag. Oh, he's working on hearts right now. Some of you are saying, man, I did not know this. I'm going to get this right. Others of you are going to walk away mocking. Like, I don't believe that. Five seconds. And then others of you are going to say, man, we'll just hear that again. Maybe let's see him expound upon that. Yeah, amen. I'm not getting on nobody. I'm not poking nobody in the eye. I'm just asking you some questions because the Word of God is diagnosing you. I'm plugged in to your diagnostic port, to your soul, and we're going down through this checklist that could be what's some of what's wrong in your life. So what ministry? Ministry means rendering aid to another are you involved in, in the church right now? Not, not, well, I'm planning on doing this next year. That's the vain talker. Right now. So what side of the fence are you on on this thing? Oh, I just don't believe I should have to do anything. The Bible's pretty much got your number, don't it? the Bible's got my number. So let me ask you this question. Boy, <laughs> that's why we all hate taking our vehicles to the mechanic, don't we? I hate going to the doctor, hate having to take my car in to have them read that check engine light because I'm a scared to death of what they're going to tell me because it's never good news. Especially at the doctor. They begin, and, and they always start with a test. They're going to test your blood. That's what we're doing this morning. I'm, I'm running a diagnostic on you. And it got quiet, but the Holy Spirit's working. The Holy Spirit's working. The Holy Spirit doesn't just work when we're all happy and shouting and running and screaming. You go to John chapter 16, when the Holy Spirit shows up, He's going to reprove first. That's a negative. Of sin. Righteousness and judgment. And not wanting to work and help out in a local New Testament church is a sin. And He says you rebuke it sharply. Now I'm not trying to rebuke sharply and I'm definitely not upset. I didn't even, I, I didn't even know that this message, I figured this would all go smooth. But somebody's check engine lights on. So how, I need you to ask this question, we're almost done with this diagnosis. How am I helping this church, Tree of Life Baptist, go, glow, and grow? 
There's something for you to do. There's something for everybody sitting in here this morning to do. Or am I what the Bible calls a Christian slow belly? That's what the Bible just called you. Am I a welfare Christian? Wow. I'm going to tell you, there's some rough stuff in this Bible. Amen. Preacher, I've never seen anything like that. I know. Most preachers want to stay on the fuzzy side of life. They do. Why? Because it unnerves them when it gets quiet. But I got you thinking, though, don't I? I got you hooked up to the Bible, and the Bible's discerning your heart, and I'm having you ask these questions to yourself to see where you're at. Like, man, preacher. So what has the Bible discerned in you today? Don't, you don't have to tell me, I, I, hey, the Lord got on me when he said that slow belly. I thought we was going to have a bad week. But hey, you know how it was back in the day. Start ripping things out of the wall. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. There was a whole group of people that were saved, blood bought, that were just scamming the system. God saved us, according to Ephesians 2, verse 10, unto good works. Good works. We need to be rich. And he says, Pastor, you hobby horse. That, that's what he means when he says, you affirm it constantly. Another way to say affirm constantly is you hobby horse it. Kind of like when you were kids, like me, there's, there's, there's something that will annoy me quicker than anything. Trash is full. I could be in a dead sleep. I'll come up fighting mad. <laughs> you say, what is that? Oh, <laughs> the Bible's got our number, don't he? The Lord has our number. So here's my admonition this morning. Don't be a lazy Christian. Be a working Christian that is, that is rich in good works. Brother Dave read the verse this morning. He said the house of Stephanus was addicted to the ministry. I've never had to sit down and counsel somebody and tell them, you know what, you're just too addicted to the ministry. I've had to counsel about other things, but never that. How come we don't have any problems in Christians that are addicted to ministry? Wow. Is your check engine light on or is it flashing? The man, preacher, that was rough. Let's all stand this morning.